You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 194, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look at My Records, I chatted with Casey, Patrick, and Chase of Brooklyn Noise Trio, a very special episode. The band just released their long-awaited first full-length, Fix Your Hearts or Die, this past Tuesday, via Hidden Home Records and Ewill Records. Described by the band as a record centered on self-reflection and introspection, Fix Your Hearts or Die sees the trio unleashing their adventurous sound with little restraint, piecing together a series of songs with noise vignettes and sonic interludes shaped by feeling. Though the band had written and performed these songs live many times prior to the pandemic, the halt in the album's production as a result of the COVID lockdown allowed the band to make some final critical reassessments before sending it off to be mastered. During our interview, we chatted about how the David Lynch-inspired track, Fire Walk With Me, was recorded in their practice space, how they pieced together the album's distinct sounding songs, the story behind the voicemail at the end of their song Cowboy, and much more. The band also picked some awesome records from JSOM, Ringo Death Star, Arcade Fire, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. What's up? You're listening to Look at My Records Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Gallo, here with Patrick, Casey, and Chase of a very special episode. Their new album, Fix Your Hearts or Die, just dropped on Tuesday. Fresh new record for you all to enjoy. So fresh. Hot off the presses. Nom, 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 nom. Beautiful. I tried to eat it. Tastes good. <laughs> Tastes very good. Organic. Organic. Gluten-free on Casey's end. Yeah. Didn't taste gluten-free to me. No. But full and rich of flavor. I mean, Tasted it's, like it's, a lot of gluten. Yeah. Well, we put that into each one. Like, each person's dietary restrictions are taken into account when you pre-order. Good. That's very responsible of you as a band. <laughs> So, how are you? Tell me, how do you feel having the record out? How's everything going? It's very nice. It, yeah, it's feeling very good. Uh, we've been sitting on it for a long time, so it feels surreal, but good yeah. to have it out and finally people can listen to it. Agreed, 100%. So, when was it technically done? Because I've been reading about the process behind making this record. I know there was 
it was partially done, you know, then the pandemic hit, and then you finished it. Did you finish it last year, basically? Finish we this got, record? Yeah, we got the masters back that we haven't touched since we got them back last October, so about a year ago. Oh, shit. That is a long time. So you have been sitting on it for a year because it's October yeah. 2021 mm -hmm. right now. And last October was 12 months ago, October yeah. 2020. What comes to mind now when you hear these songs, given the fact that you have the benefit of some distance from writing and recording the final versions of them? I think it's kind of interesting because they have had a long shelf life because I think our original plan was to try to get it recorded and finished so we could potentially release and tour on it summer of 2020 before we knew all these things so we had thoughts that it would be out for much longer now but also these are the first songs that we wrote when Chase joined the band so we've been playing these songs a lot of these songs out for years so we have specific memories of playing them on our 2019 tour. And um, so it they, they feel like they've gone through a whole journey because now they sound different to me than they did when we played them then. Um, yeah, it's they've taken on several different meanings as time has gone on. Also, they're like introducing a, an old friend to a new group of friends. Yeah. It's like, we've known them for so long, but we're like, uh, merging, you know, worlds colliding with new uh, with new friends. Like, hey, this is fix your hearts or die. You haven't met my circle of friends that I've known for some years now, and it's time for you guys to say hello. And then we'll step back and watch them talk, you know, and gossip. That's a great way to put it. Um, I've had a couple people reach out about listening to it, um, and I'm like, oh yeah, you've never heard this before, right? And we've been listening to it for a year and a half on repeat trying to figure it out forget other people haven't yeah that's interesting that you were able to tour and play these songs a bunch before you recorded them that doesn't always happen necessarily how do you think playing them live resulted in changes to them when you eventually went and recorded them if it did at all well we can talk about the thing that patrick and chase used to love to do to me which is we would come up with a new song idea and then we would like bring it together and that's when they would really come to life is when we were in the practice room together right so patrick would be bringing a guitar riff Chase would start playing the drums, we would feel this vibe, and I would start, you know, just improvising over top of it. We'd stop the song. They'd get really excited, and they're like, this song rocks. And we'd play it one more time, trying to figure out, and they're like, listen, we got a show on Friday, like, I think we should play the new song. Yeah. I'm like, there are no words yet. Right. Uh, and they're like, don't worry about it. And words so at some, they, sometimes the words came <laughs> after we had yeah. performed it. So that would help <laughs> the, the performance would inform maybe what I would eventually say. Um, but I'm glad we're not doing that anymore because I hated it, but it was definitely very fun. And so we would see um, if things worked 
like in it's a like lab a science setting. yeah it's like a science yeah. experiment like with an experiment. we're like crowd sh- testing the songs and we crowd tested the whole album focus group yeah yeah we that, we found things to throw away yeah there's definitely some songs that did went through that test and didn't make it to the album so there, yeah a lot i would say a good handful that might be on the next who knows that's good that sounds nerve-wracking playing a song i guess and then with no lyrics or making up the lyrics on the spot yes. i hope that yeah. doesn't have to happen that much more yeah you. i would like for that see. not not to happen anymore <laughs> i would really love that but i'm not convinced it's like zip zap zopping in in yeah. uh improv you yeah. know but only casey has to do it yeah <laughs> yeah that's where that's the part i think is a little unfair but oh well cool <laughs> So, this let's like backpedal just a little bit since we kind of like dove into the record a little bit. But I know Casey and Patrick, this project has essentially been the two of you since you started it about five years ago. I'm curious about how you came together and started collaborating and what your first experiences were like writing songs together and why and when you realized oh this is a good creative partnership that we should continue yeah i think the cliff notes version is casey and i had a high school band together then we got married nice and uh not long after that we started the band five years ago yeah i would say we were living outside of dc for um a couple you for two years, me for like a year, right um, out of college. And we started kind of trying to write some songs together. We had played music together, but it was mostly covers in high school. Yeah. Um, and so trying to write our own to see if that was like a viable thing. Um, and so then once we moved here, we started to try to pursue it more um, significantly and trying to go out to shows and see try to really understand what the the local scene was like um, and kind of try to take it in. And then we just built on it from there. And we put out just like kind of an EP that was more of like proof of concept of a couple different songs that we had been working on. And and once, once we did that, we started in earnest trying to play shows and- During a time where we really had no permanent stable drummer. So we'd book a show and kind of work backwards to figure out who can fill in. Who yes. can fill in. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it was a computer. Yeah, a couple times it was just a computer. So Chase, when did you get involved with this project? I know you've worked with a couple of different drummers in this band, and now it seems like the way you spoke about this set of songs being your first set of songs with this lineup as a trio. Did the addition of Chase really help solidify the vision of this band? And what was that transition like? It sounds like a very beneficial transition. Oh, yeah, it was it was huge. I think that I, I don't want to talk over Chase, but I just want to say before he gives his side of the story that we, we became a unit with Chase like it was a puzzle piece he was the missing piece and we found it and then this this album is really the creative journey that we were able to take because we found that piece 
Um, and we really, we really pursue him and we really, yeah. we really put on, put the moves on him. I think and we nice. were very, we're very lucky that he I think we him. asked him three times to not even join the band, just play with us, perform with us. Uh, first two were very solemn no's. Uh, he was spread thin. The third time he reluctantly agreed. Maybe not reluctant, I don't know. We're, he's shaking his head. <laughs> he's shaking his head. Okay, so we'll let him as he as he sees it, but I know we really we put the put the works on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Casey and I share a mutual friend named Emma who who kinda connected our worlds together and uh as as a a uh hey, I know this guy that plays drums, maybe he can uh, you know, help you out with shows. And at the time I was trying to uh, not, like Pat said, spread myself too thin. I was playing in a couple other bands and um, it just didn't seem uh, like a moment in time that I could commit myself fully uh, to, to their project or to their band at the, at the moment. So I kept saying, no, I'm sorry, I, I just like, I'm I'm too busy. I'm I'm very bad at at uh, organizing, and it it just seemed overwhelming until it didn't. And then I was like, actually, I could I do have time to learn these songs and play this show with you guys. And honestly, after that show, the rest is history. And that was years ago. <laughs> at this point, it was like we um, we totally connected as friends first, and then our approach to performing music and writing music uh, has a lot of common threads where. It, like we said before, we're, we're really open to experimenting and uh, kind of like shooting our shot right in the moment where we're inspired and, and almost calling it done when it's making us excited uh, and just following that mood. And that's something that I find unique in, in a very special episode and, uh, you know, almost like a good cheesecake or something I couldn't put it down. <laughs> And I just like <laughs> kept wanting to play more and more. And then before we knew it, I mean, a year went by. I remember I was like, wow, we've been in a band together for a year. You know, it was almost just like friends playing shows. Nothing super committal, just being, the, being there together for the music. And then, you know, two years goes by and now we're writing an album. And then here we are putting out our first full length, all of our first full lengths. It's historical in a way. So it was like meant to be. And it's a very beautiful um, friendship. And uh, there's honestly not too much more to say about that. Yeah. It's just uh, the way it goes. It's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome record. This band is a delicious slice of cheesecake, as you said. Uh, in my opinion, I like cheesecake. <laughs> so do I. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Right? Or maybe pumpkin pie is a bit more seasonal. Pumpkin Ooh. pie. Hey, uh, every Thanksgiving, my mom actually instead of making a pumpkin pie, we'll make a pumpkin cheesecake. Oh, so. that's us. Yeah, want that's some us. of that? It's Casey's really mom. It's really good. Casey's mom has got it going on. Also, her sweater matches the color of a pumpkin yeah. pie. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Very seasonal, seasonally appropriate. I'm Absolutely. craving pumpkin yeah, pie Yeah, it sounds now. really good. Now I really With a little see. whipped cream, you know? Oh, absolutely. A little yes, whipped sir. cream that just yes, will sir. make it. Wow, damn. All right. Gonna have to control my urges for pumpkin pie right now so I can continue with this interview. But. Back to Utah. Yes. We mentioned, you mentioned that 
well, I think I mentioned I, whoever mentioned it uh, about like ten minutes ago in the <laughs> in the thirteen minutes that we've been speaking so far that you kind of had to halt production on this record when the pandemic started. You know, it's kind of like a dramatic thing to do because you had to do obviously creatively, yeah. especially if you're in a flow with recording you're nailing the tracks or the sessions are going well but it also kind of gives you some more time to sit with the songs and think about hey what can we do differently now so i was just curious of what did that halt in uh, how did that halt in production uh, change the direction of the record if at all maybe as far as how it came out in the end so when lockdown started, we had tracked drums for, I think, eight out of the 11 songs. And then what we did, Casey and I recorded most of the guitars and vocals just in our apartment. And Chase programmed the rest of the drums so we had something to mix with. We got to, we got a pretty long ways to the rest of the album just with that and then I think sometime late in the spring early summer Chase and I well Chase finished tracking the rest of the drums and that was it for the rest of the production yeah um I would say that it that the extra time allowed us to think a little bit more critically um because I would say that so we had done a lot of the drums and we had done some guitar and vocal stuff too in the studio and I think even taking some time away there was some stuff like some of my vocal tracks that I redid um just it just gave us some time to really we didn't feel rushed and we felt like we could really redo it as many times as we needed to to get what we wanted um and then one of the tracks didn't really exist and we wrote I want to say like day three of lockdown already Patrick was like ah I'm stir crazy he gets out all his equipment he's like we're writing a song <laughs> and it, it made its way onto the record yeah, that so. one that one was fun because I'm we had a big show we were supposed to play that got canceled and we had like our very last practice together all in one room before we really knew that the whole world was going to shut down and we had our h5 recording yeah yeah and we were the just zoom. playing over the, yeah, yeah. Just i got one the of those riff. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no big deal yeah <laughs> i just learned what that thing was called last band practice yeah i've i've been recording on it with pat and casey for years and I was like, what do you call the microphone thing you use? <laughs> um, so yeah, now I'm in, the, I'm in this cool kid circle. That's right. Hell yeah. What we captured that day uh, ended up turning into Firewalk With Me. Like that, oh. that actual recording from the room. Yeah, we... Such a sick part of the record. Yeah. Yeah, so Thank we you. Like, used that to create it. Um, and it, yeah, it, so it, that one was really special because that feels like bridging the two gaps we the the back half of that song was from a jam that last practice and then the rest of it was something that we came up you know 
lockdown sitting on the living room floor. And so it felt really like it tied those two things together and it felt felt poetic to have it there. Yeah, it's right in the middle of the record. So before that happened, did you see this record as kind of having two distinct parts and you felt like that was a good thing to put right in the middle to kind of bridge them together? Or was it more spontaneous, just like, oh, let's put it in here? I think I always wanted to do a song like that, but couldn't figure out how to start the process of making it. I think this band, we're very good on not forcing things. So yeah. that that's a great question. I, I wonder, I think that to myself, actually, if we we're even on the cusp of what our intentions were if we were totally just like grasping in the dark, you know, uh, for something that was speaking back to us. And I, I don't know, personally, I would say when we, when we had that one in the mix, it really made a lot of sense and started to give the whole record a, a real um, full vision. Yeah, I definitely think that as a, as a band, we do a lot of feeling first and analyzing second. Um, and not in a way that feels like an afterthought, but it just like, it it's good for us to kind of feel the music and emotions while it's coming out and then take a step back and figure out how it fits into the greater whole or if it fits at all. Yeah, I really think this record is all about feeling a lot of it, you know? There's so many points in the record where I feel like the music just makes you sit back and listen and kind of feel it, not necessarily listen like super intently, you know, to the to the words or whatever, but there's there's a lot of these moments where it's it's just sonically really going for feeling, you know? Yeah. I would, I would definitely agree. I think that's something that we were going for. Cool. So since we mentioned Fire Walk With Me, of course, David Lynch reference, reference to the Twin Peaks prequel movie, Fire Walk With Me. And sonically, it has like a really Lynchian vibe to it. It's supernatural, like really freaky sounding. It kind of sounds like the music you would hear in Twin Peaks or something like that. So I was just curious about what in particular inspired that song sonically. And it also includes cool pieces of dialogue from Fire Walk With Me, including a cool exchange between Laura Palmer and Donna Hayward where Laura Palmer says, why are you so interested in who I'm going to see at night? Um, you know, and then Donna responds, you're telling me or whatever. But so <laughs> just um, what inspired that track sonically? Was it sonically inspired by, you know, Twin Peaks at all? Because it does kind of have that vibe. And how'd you decide on those specific uh, pieces of dialogue from the series or the prequel to include? So... If I remember correctly, like way before that weekend, we put that together in our living room. I really wanted to, you know, like those um, chilled cow, lo-fi, hip-hop, YouTube channels? Yeah. I really wanted to make a song 
that had that dialogue and sounded like one of those. And I yeah. think this was, I think this was as close as we could get to that. And um, it just happened to, I think, really work with that jam session we did like the week before. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of how our songs go in general. We might have like an idea. We want to go for this and then shoot the dart, throw the dart, and it lands somewhere completely different, but we just kind of take where it lands and go from there. Yeah, for sure. But I, I also know that you talked a lot about um, really wanting to not copy, but evoke the feeling of like that scene in the movie where they go to the pink room, right? Yeah. Um, and just like a feeling of mis kind of like mystery and um, I don't know. Something spooky. Like something definitely like spooky, spooky. It's spooky, a spooky, sexy trend. mystery. I think is is kind of the feeling that you were trying to go for, and I think I think we hit that. And the and it feels like you open up the door onto. Um, a band already already playing, already, um, you know, doing their thing. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying earlier that the album has a lot of feeling, a lot of emotion. Yeah. And I think that's what I like a lot about his movies, where, like, it invokes more of a feeling than, like, a literal meaning. Um, just trying to figure out if we could do something like that with music where like you you come in listening to it and you feel like you don't have all the context or all the information of what's going on but you get you get the vibe yeah and then you can lay your own exact meanings over top yeah super cool i love david lynch so that was definitely a highlight for me on the record tom what's your favorite david lynch thing Twin Peaks is great. I love Twin Peaks. Mulholland Drive, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like 14 years old and some some kid that was really into movies and stuff was like, let's watch this movie, Mulholland Drive. I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm 14 <laughs> years old, man. I don't yeah, understand what this is. <laughs> what? Was it David Lynch in disguise? Like, <laughs> pretending He's to be like, a 14 <laughs> Like, what's up with the diner and the thing behind the dumpster? Yeah. The thing behind the dumpster. And then the guy passes out. It's like, what's the deal with this? Let's watch it again in 20 years. Yeah. You know, (laughs) which I did. And I was like, this is great. You know. (laughs) What did you think of the return? Great. Loved it. My first David Lynch experience was um, me and just like probably three other friends of mine hanging out in my living room with all the lights off like I am currently <laughs> looking for a scary movie to watch and somebody just knew of Eraserhead but had never seen it <laughs> and we watched the whole thing and we were so excited you know like you would be before getting on a roller coaster or yeah. something but when the movie ended we all kind of just sat in silence for a second <laughs> and was like okay I think I'm gonna go to bed <laughs> Damn. Or try to, you try. Know, and just yeah, try to. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. That one's that one's a lot. 
stuck we, with me. We saw it. We saw that at home, and then we also went to a midnight showing of it, and I was like, Oof. "See, once was probably enough on that one for me personally." Oh yeah, it's so visceral. I can like almost really see is. it in my head, and I only saw yeah. it one time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's our record, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, building off of Fire Walk With Me, because I feel like Fire Walk With Me fits into, like, the two kinds of tracks that are on this record, generally. You know, there's kind of these more, you know, traditional, not like traditional, but like songs where, you know, the lyrics and words are really prominent and they're more like, songs and then there's tracks like fire walk with me and fuck everything and fix your hearts or die which are like these you know tracks that are more focused on you know the sonics of the song and the feeling and they're kind of like not really transitional but they're kind of like these you know pieces that are kind of separate from you know cowboy or Introspector or, um, you know, some of the other, you know, the singles on the record. So they're like just, the spooky montage. Yeah, of yeah, the film. totally. So how'd you go about piecing this record together? How'd those songs come together? Um, you know, and how'd you decide that you kind of wanted to, you know, put these different pieces in there, like Fire Walk With Me or like Fuck Everything? It was like a collage, like, we would get mixed downs of the tracks and then I'd put them in like a big Pro Tools timeline file and just like put them in their spots, bounce that out, send it to Casey and Chase. And like myself, you know, late spring, early summer of lockdown, we just like go outside, go for a run or go for a walk just listening to it and kind of like take little mental notes of like what's working, what's not working. Um, kind of like what you said earlier with the goal in mind of making this like a complete whole, a journey yeah. from beginning to end where there's like no, no lulls, no bad parts, no boring parts. Um, Chase's now fiance, I think gave the most critical piece of feedback that we really needed to finish this thing up. It was like the end of summer, early fall, where we had a different song in place of Fix Your Hearts or Die. And we were really working on it for a while. It was like a really slow acoustic thing. that had like a rise at the end. And what'd she say? It was, it was just boring. I think she just called it boring, yeah. Damn. And yeah. then, so we took it out. I think, I, if I remember correctly, the whole song ended with the um, of a repeating of the phrase "fix your hearts or die." Yeah, I was at the end of this, and so that piece of information was like super helpful. So then we're like, okay, scrap it, um, and then we turned that end part that we loved and that we felt was was necessary. We turned it into the the transitional piece or like the interlude piece that it is now. Yeah, we didn't have drums yeah. for it. And I think we all really wanted to wrap this up by that time. So we took the drums from Weather the Storm, slowed them down to 50% their speed. And that's the drums you hear during that song. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and then I would, that I was just want to, yeah. And it, the second it, we it, heard that final like, product, it was like perfect. Yeah. We're like, that's it. That, that was the last we had worked, thing we did. Yeah, we worked so hard on on that previous version. And to the point where obviously I'm asking my fiance, like, what do you think of this? Who, by the way, is is not a musician per se. She She's kind of like that opinion you want that's unbiased and on the outside looking in. That gives you maybe a, a perspective that you wouldn't really think because you're kind of thinking about in all it, these musical yeah. things. You're so in it, yeah. So to her, she was like, I mean, it sounds pretty pretty boring <laughs> zing yeah, yeah. but and, that was um, what we was exactly that, what yeah. we needed I mean you don't want to hear that right you know, six months after it comes out yeah yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> that's good yeah thanks Chase fiance Caroline yeah. shout yeah. out Caroline. to Caroline thank you we Caroline. Love you, Caroline Caroline and Chase great like those names work well together. They do. Amen. I'm Thank sure you. you both work well together too since you're getting married. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> They're super cute. They are. I believe it. So, I feel like Cowboy is one of the singles. Really nice representation of the record as a whole. It kind of has these peaks and valleys of energy and noise. And it ends with what sounds like a voicemail, which I thought was cool. Tell us a little bit about that song. And where do you source that voicemail clip at the end? Because it's very like innocuous sounding. Uh, so the song itself, um, the song itself, I realized that it just feels like it's always been. Yeah. I have yeah. trouble trying to think now of the writing I would say of this song. The, the rhythm of the ending of Cowboy has like a dunk dun dunk dun 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 like a triplet thing and i feel like that triplet was always the like the backbone of that song it was just like the coolest thing we thought at the time and we're just like i just want to do that in a song and then maybe with that idea that really rocked we worked backwards built it out oh now i'm actually remembering a moment during lockdown where patrick sent me the original file of the jam that we had when we came up with this and it doesn't sound terribly different it is nine right. minutes long it's nine minutes long but nice. it the, a lot yeah. of the pieces were there so i think a lot of times that's how it, it works that we we kind of jam and then pick out the pieces that that we want kind but cut it down um we we just we all have a soft spot for that song yeah in our heart we we really, really love playing it. Um, when we did this 2019 tour, like um, all of our families would really um, connect to that song. They'd all be like, oh man, you gotta put that on YouTube. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy, I would listen to that every day. Like, Cowboy's it, man. Cowboy's the song. And it's like the one they would, they remembered it. They'd talk to us about it later. Like, so it yeah. was really resonating. Um, and that's how we, we felt like we had something that we could really be proud of. And we knew that it wasn't just something we enjoyed, that other people enjoyed it too. Um, and so we were really thankful to get to make a really cool music video for it um, last, about a year ago, last October. Also October. Um, and we had our friend, um, we had our friend Jeffrey, who is a filmmaker, um, direct, shoot, star in this music video and he killed it and did an amazing job um and 
the story is very loosely based on um, based on a night where he came to see us play. Um, and he, it was like a day in, in late it July. July. It was 2019. July of 2019. It was maybe the hottest day of the year so far. Wow. He had been like out running around all day and was like, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm going to come catch you. Like my girlfriend can't come, but I can come. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to meet you there. We're going to hang out. It's going to be great. So he gets there. He's standing in the back during, um, one of the earlier bands. And next thing we know, our friend goes, Hey, your friend, like, is just passed out. Like, is not okay. We go, what? And we see him like being walked out and bleeding. The entirety of the sharp shadows had come to his rescue. Yes. So the sharp shadows had come and scooped him up. Um, his sister happened to be in town. She's a nurse. So she was like making sure he was okay. And the staff at the gutter was very hurriedly getting us off the premises. Oh, they damn. Did not, they did not want a bleeding man in their establishment. Yeah, getting on um, the bowling balls and stuff. Yeah, know? they were like, no, no blood on the bowling to, balls. He needs to be outside. They're trying to call an ambulance. It's a whole thing. I go, listen, we are going to be fine. We do not need an ambulance. This is all going to be okay. So I, as we sat outside with him, I was like, well, I know your girlfriend is busy, but she needs to come pick you up. So I trying my best not to to freak her out called her and let her know that she needed to come get Jeffrey because uh, he she needed to call me back something was going on with Jeffrey um, and we have laughed about the situation ever since and about mm, a couple months ago we were with them reminiscing about the story and they go oh did we tell you we saved that voicemail and we laugh about it and quote it all the time? And Patrick goes, send it to me. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's on the record. <laughs> yes. That's a great story. That was a great, great yeah. story. So yeah. if you ever think about, oh, does it, do you like listening to your speaking voice? Uh, have somebody uh, take a, a, a stressed out voicemail and then press it into vinyl forever. And if yeah. you uh, if you ever rewatch the video for Cowboy, like keep an eye out for a very loose adaptation of that story. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. That whole sequence of events. <laughs> Incredible. Yes, but he is well and he only needed a couple stitches. <laughs> Glad he's okay. Yeah, he's great. So I was reading an interview that you did a couple of years ago where you you cited TV as an influence. I think it's, you know, it's clear that TV is definitely an influence. A very special episode seems to reference TV. Uh, but I noticed in that interview, you kind of referenced different sitcoms as influencing the band. This record sounds like way darker and just like kind of separated from those influences now do you still find tv influencing your music in a different way now than it did maybe a couple of years ago i think i'm just thinking about this right now i think it's easier to make a more serious thing when you have more confidence in what you're doing and I'm wondering if maybe we just didn't have that back then. Definitely possible. But I would say if, if the first EP was 
you know, sitcoms. This is this is the prestige drama. <laughs> yeah, this is The Wire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't, I don't know that we can point to a lot of specific re- references yeah. aside from Twin Peaks, which we yeah. we discussed. But um, I feel like that was a good entry point. Um, but now I think a lot of it is we're just inspired, um, like by each other to make music together. Yeah. Yeah, no gimmicks, just real. <laughs> just real yeah. shit. Yeah, Raw real shit. stuff. And maybe that real shit is me showing up to practice after work and complaining into a microphone, and then it becomes a song. That's good. That's real life. That's, That's right. real. Jobs, real. Yeah. Being pissed at your job, real. <laughs> uh-huh. But this record, you've discussed how it's about change and evolution feel like that's reflected in the title fix your hearts or die how do you think you've evolved and changed as a band after the process of going through this record and putting it out because both personally and uh, musically as a band seems to have involved a lot of self-reflection and having to change on the fly and evolve. So I was curious what your take is on that coming out on the other side now. I think that anytime you are creating art with people, um, you learn and grow from your interactions. And so I think that the longer we worked on something, the better we got to know each other. And I think that the evolution as a band was growing growing into the band itself, yeah. right? Like, I think that before we were putting out songs and playing shows, but I think the, the, the minute that we started something new, we put that out, and, and Chase kind of joined us right before we played our release show for the old EP. So basically from the moment we put that out until now, we've been growing together and growing into a band. And I think that's what what the evolution is. And I think we've become more thoughtful yeah. with time. I think the the way we played the songs changed from before lockdown to now the way we play the songs live now have changed even from um, what is recorded. Um, Yeah. But I think that just being okay with following where we feel like we need to go and, and kind of, if, if we feel like we're growing, express it to each other and how can we use that? And I, I think that the main thing is just us growing together made the the music change. Yeah. I mean, learning to not be afraid to speak up when something's not working. Um, And that's hard. That's totally a hard thing to do. That's not easy. No. And, and like, I think it was a silver lining that the pandemic and the lockdown allowed us an opportunity to give things space. But I think just allowing space for a piece of art to grow into its final and best form, or as close to that as you possibly can, 
Whereas I think, like, the last EP was great and fine, but, like, you know, maybe felt rushed in retrospect more like, let's just get this out so we can have something out and feel like a real band. Um, whereas I think this, this record that we're releasing now feels much more intentional and confident um, and, like, a work that can really stand on its own and not yeah. something. Yeah, it's yeah. like a piece, you know, it's a piece of art, really. Yeah. You know? It's one through 11, it, very intentional. Everything seems in place, you know, on it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. I would agree with yeah. Pat. I just wanted to say that before the lockdown, we were just going like we were playing multiple shows a month sometimes two a week and um you know with a practice in between and that was just kind of our norm and we were just in autopilot of creating which is a wonderful place to be i think um and then when the lockdown happened it was such an abrupt stop that we were forced to give ourselves that moment to analyze and and kind of digest what we had done over the last year or two or more. And then uh, coming out of it, it's, it, is, it is different and it does feel a bit more serious, but in a good way that we're, we are, like Casey said, creating art together. And it's um, not to get like too serious, but you know, it, it does feel different. It's hard to put into words I think that's why we created a, an album of music <laughs> to try to express like our existence as musicians. Um, and uh, we, yeah, I, I would say I'm, I am, and I know we are really proud of this, this piece that we're putting out right now. That is kind of like a narrative of our whole relationship over the last few years. It's solid. I love you guys. <laughs> Beautifully said beautifully said and with that let's play some songs from fix your hearts or die we are gonna hear cowboy fire walk with me and intro specter it's the middle three tracks on the record
call back when you can. Um, it's everything's fine, but um, got something going on with Jeffrey, and if you could just uh, give us a call back when you can, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Bye.
think that if you were falling in space, that you would slow down after a while or go faster and faster?
We just heard three tracks from Fix Your Hearts or Die, the brand new record from my guests. A very special episode. We heard Cowboy, Fire Walk With Me, and Introspector. Everyone, you can get it on vinyl via a very special episode.bandcamp.com. And now we will talk about the records that you selected starting with Casey's two picks first up great song I love seeing this song performed live because everybody sings it back to JSOM the bus song off of everybody works great pick Casey thank you tell me a little bit about why you picked this track so we talked before about how our album um, sometimes just evokes a feeling. I get such a strong, visceral, just, I feel this song in my bones. When I, when I hear this song, like everything around me, I'm driving, I'm walking, whatever it is, I like, I'm not, I'm not passively listening to it. It feels like it immediately creates a moment. And all of a sudden I'm in a movie or something. This song just like feel, I just feel it very strongly. What those feelings are, I can't exactly describe, but just, I, it just creates a perfect mood. And I just absolutely adore this song. It's a gorgeous song. And I'm trying to pinpoint what it is about it that kind of also makes me feel kind of like the lusciousness of it. Yeah, that's a great word. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think sonically it hurt chord choices are are beautiful and i think um her her melodies go in a place that you may not expect and i do think that that adds to it but it's just it just i instantly feel like i'm part of something else when i hear it And then you also picked Slide Tackle by Japanese Breakfast off of Jubilee. This is a pretty new album. Just came it out a is. couple of months ago. Yes. Um, so Michelle Zahner has my whole heart. Um, I think I've I think we've seen them five times now. Uh, we saw we saw Japanese Breakfast open for slow dive oh, wow. a few years ago um at brooklyn steel and hooked us um and so that was right before the the second album came out um put up soft sounds yeah soft sounds from another planet and um then we went to the release show and if this speaks to like what the amount that she has blown up as a musician from then. Her the, the most the previous album, the release show happened at Union Pool outside in the courtyard by the taco truck. And um, it was gorgeous and we got to see this whole um, show and it was beautiful and I've just been a super fan ever since. So I spent my summer reading her book and listening to this record and 
Um, so many of her songs are really, really emotional. Very, yeah. Um, and so I really like Slide Tackle because it is so different. It just seems fun. Um, and it just feels like a really good time. And we saw them in August in Philly um, and they performed it and they seemed like they were having a great time playing it. Coming in with some shoegaze here, Austin, Texas's Ringo, Death Star, Cotton, Candy, Clouds. This is their most recent release. Killer, yeah. killer album. I love it. Um, I think it's a great song to close a record with. Um, I remember the first time hearing it the very early days of lockdown, just being blown away by it and remembering that we had seen them at St. Vitus a few months prior, yeah, a few months prior, and they had played it. Um, and just like instantly recalling that they had performed it. Um, yeah, it's great. It's got a great music video. Um, really large bass guitar sound. Huge um, bass guitar sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say bass is my favorite part of that band, to be age. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a drummer, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> of split peas this song great prime example of what a great lyricist she is very sometimes simple and straightforward in a way that's really evokes it's that's still very evocative though you know it's also really funny yeah (laughs) it's such like a ride like really like wry sense of humor kind of i don't know if i'm describing it correctly yeah but yeah, yeah totally i would agree yeah um i picked this one because it reminded me of casey's allergy problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> great you, so you know the it. ambulance yeah. comes in this song this is such a cool song because you remember like there's yeah, so many songs you'll hear and little details. You, know, you don't really remember the lyrics or whatever, no. but I remember what this fucking song is about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give it up for the sneezy girls. Yeah. <laughs> the ambulance comes. She says, I think, you know, she he thinks I'm cool because I play a guitar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's cool because he stops people so, yeah. from dying. Dying. All good stuff. Um, yeah. Great song. It wasn't this song, but she'll, she's the only artist that I can think of that I heard play on an episode of Saturday Night Live and like instantly fell in love with them. 
any other band or artist that I've seen on that show as a musical guest, I either already liked them or was already into them or like couldn't really care either way after listening to them. And so like, I think she's the one and only that stuck out and was memorable and I became a fan of afterward. Jura Dex Dark by Radiohead off of a moon shaped pool. It was recently Tom York's birthday, and I have Ooh. this photo that a dude I know shared of an after party at Jekyll and Hyde in the West Village in 1993 when Radiohead was on their first North American t- tour, and uh, he looks insane. I'll yeah, send you the I photo. Bet. He had like a blazer on, right? Yeah, he had a blazer, really crazy bleach blonde hair, yep. Pablo honey Apparently, stuff hanging on the wall in the back. I don't know if it was their first North American tour or not, but they brought their own soundboard <laughs> on tour with them, which is super Radiohead, right? Yeah. Yeah. But apparently they brought their own. They're like, no, we've got it. <laughs> like, Venue. <laughs> You know, yeah. Webster Hall, put it we on got top of, our yeah, own soundboard. Yeah. Yeah. Did they bring a sound guy as yeah. well to run yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were already like going for it. But yeah, Dex Stark, man. Um, I would have to say that I'm a huge Radiohead fan to the point where actually before lockdown was at Tom York's um, like solo performance in Atlanta on his birthday two Octobers ago. Wow. I got to see him play, uh, you know, his solo stuff, which was fantastic. Um, Radiohead puts out an album. I immediately hate it. I don't like it. I listen to it and I go, eh, it's not in rainbows. It doesn't kick like, you know, two plus two is five, inhale to the thief. It doesn't just have that strong edge but then the more i listen to it holy crap i get i get like hypnotized or brainwashed i don't know what they do they're they're like they like sneak into my brain when i'm sleeping and like rewire it and i wake up the next day going moon shape pool is one of my favorite albums yeah it's a good and one. uh sometimes that's polarizing to say even with uh, radiohead fans but i would have to say dex dark was one that Anytime I hear it, I, I almost stop what I'm doing to just like sit in that like mid-tempo groove and just, I mean, talk about simplicity, you know, talk about less is more. I just, um, I get wrapped into that one heavy and uh, going through your amazing collection, uh, that one stuck out to me as I scrolled through. I had to add it, yeah.
up neighborhood number one tunnels by arcade fire off of funeral we're jumping in a time machine now hell yeah let's go back i love it take me back to the aughts dude we're going back to 2009 where i'm it's after funeral comes out by the way uh because you know that's an early when is that i think it's 2004 yep so um here let me i'll go even back further uh neighborhood i think number four was on a was on a snowboard video that i used to watch all the time and it just ripped and it worked with the snowboard part and i didn't know the band because they were kind of new ish and uh i looked up the album i got the album and then 2000 fast forward i'm a fan of arcade fire fast forward to 2009 I'm waking up in the morning for college. It's my first year of college. I just graduated high school in upstate New York. The day after I graduated, I moved to Northern Virginia to go to school where my dad lived instead of go to school in upstate where my mom lived. So I'm waking up in a whole new town. I I don't know anybody. All I know is neighborhood number one. Yeah. (laughs) I wake up in the morning. The sun's not even up yet. I literally put that album on with like big studio or big uh, stereo speakers with a bowl of cereal. That uh, that song is one bowl of cereal long. Nice. <laughs> I I just because it's such a delicate intro to a big full orchestral album that I just sit in its um I don't know I sit in its fragile beauty as it starts. It's very light and tingy in the beginning and I just eat like my cinnamon toast crunch while I kind of sway back and forth. I listen, all I do is like eat cereal with my eyes closed listening to that song. Uh, Like Casey said, it's like something that I just feel. It it puts me into like a movie setting or something where like everything else kind of fades away and I just kind of like sit in that one little song right there. So again, uh, emotionally driven, I had to just pick that one when I saw it, it stuck out to me. gosh we got the air horn sound you know what that means sadly we're coming to the end of today's episode of look at my records but what a treat it was having casey patrick and chase here of the band a very special episode everyone they just released an awesome new record as you know called fix your hearts or die it's out now via hidden home records and you can get it at a very special episode.bandcamp.com you've got bundles you got a limited edition red black and thunder loud colored vinyl with a t-shirt you got standard black vinyl with a shirt you got all sorts of options for people thank you for giving people options yeah 
Oh, of course. Happy to do it. And you got a gig on Saturday. It's the official release show at Our Wicked Lady. Tell us a little bit about that before we say farewell. Uh, We are really excited to be uh, playing this show because, I mean, I think all good things need a celebration, right, as a release. Right, you 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 work so hard on this thing. You put it out. It's into the world. Now we party. So that's what this show is all about. Um, we're getting to play with Sorry Darling, who have been a band for maybe a year and a half. More than uh, more than a year and a half. But they this will be their first show. Nice, um, awesome. We were supposed to play their first show with them at our Wicked Lady in March of 2020, and we all know how that went down. Um, so. This this many many moons later, we're gonna finally make good on that promise. And um, all three, or now I guess there's four of them now. Um, th- this band is they're the sweetest, um, and there we saw them play a live stream uh, last year, and it was incredible. And I just don't think you're gonna want to miss it. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kissed by an Animal who rock. Yeah, so dang wonderful hard. band. One uh, of my favorites. Yeah, they're really, they're so incredibly fun. Um, and we have lots of love for all of them, including uh, John, um, who also helped us put out this album on his newly created Yule Records as well. So uh, we that got... That stands for East gotta... Williamsburg Econo Lodge, everyone. <laughs> That's right. For, for people listening... Home. Who are not hip like the four of us <laughs> in the oh, yeah. We're incredibly hip. I'm, it's, I'm sorry to it's say. It's a great DIY space in, you guessed it, East Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Exactly. So it's going to be a fun time again? at our wicked, our wicked Lady. Ewell Records? Yeah, That's Ewell. Right. E-W-E-L is the That's acronym, right. ladies and gentlemen. Heck yeah. I'm trying to do the hair horn. It's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Casey, Patrick, and Chase, thank you so much, everyone. Go to Our Wicked Lady on Saturday and head to a very special episode.bandcamp.com to get your copy of Fix Your Hearts or Die. And if not there, if not there, Rough Trade, baby. Oh, Rough Trade. That's right. Go to the new Rough Trade location at Rockerfe- Rockefeller Center, yo. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I dropped them off, so they'll be there. They're there, yeah. everyone. Tommy, baby, thank you for having thank us. This you. was yes. a delight. Thank this, you so this, much. This was lovely. Thank you so much. We're going to finish things off with the final track from the album, Spent. Spent. 